Affirmative Murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeinabook.com It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation, which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother can either type her response or record her voice. MyLifeInABook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audio book using her voice recordings. It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my MyLifeInABook.com journey and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions and you know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out mylifeinabook.com. That's mylifeinabook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day. P. At checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. What up? People, um, today is, or this weekend has been um, probably enlightening for a lot of people um, with the drop of this Central Park 5 documentary, which we're going to get into in a minute. But before we jump into that topic, I wanted to ask Fran, how are you doing today? How was your week? All of that good stuff. Um, It was hot. Yes, was um, quite hot. But Summer's here. Yeah, pretty smooth, pretty smooth week. So everything's been fine. How about well, yourself? Well, that's always good. Um, uh, this, this was a good week. Uh, you know, I'm back in the full swing of work and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, had to take care of some home projects. Not as easy, you know. Home ownership is not uh always fun. Yeah, completely sweating and whatnot. Yeah, man. I you know I was doing some outside yard work. You know, trimming the hedges and mm-hmm. all that whatnot. Cutting you know not cutting grass. I don't do that, but cutting the bushes down, pulling weeds, that kind of stuff. 
And then I uh, I got off work on Friday, went to go take a shower, mm-hmm. twist the cold uh, water knob, pow! The whole mm-hmm. knob comes off the thing. Mm-hmm. No water came out because the the valve that controls the water was intact, but just the handle was broke. So I was oh, like, okay. oh, damn, I got to get new handles. So I look and do research and everything like that on how to do that on YouTube. Shout out to anybody who has a home. Yeah. Look YouTube up on University. YouTube before you call any professionals because you might be able to do it yourself. Yeah. This was the instance. I looked at the video. I said, that eh, looks pretty easy. I can mm-hmm. do that. So I, you know, Saturday I went to go get all this, the kit and everything. I was going to change all the knobs. If I'm going to change one, I might as well change them all. So I'm going right. to change all the valves and the plumbing stuff and get new knobs. Maybe get some special ones that look mm-hmm. cool. Went to go do all that. Got all the stuff. Took all the knobs off. Put them on. It's still leaking. Mm. The, well, now it's worse than it because it wasn't leaking at all. It just the handle was broke. I couldn't control the cold water. Mm-hmm. I had to use like a put a wrench on the little handle and twist Turn it that it. way. Yeah. Now I go to change everything out and it's leaking. So uh, what you came upon was a defeated man <clears throat> who just wanted to grill some food and said fuck it. So yeah. when I started to cook, the shower was uh, not used. It was like this is discontinued until mm-hmm. tomorrow. I'm going to grill some food. I need to eat some food, drink some mojitos, yeah. and relax. Cut to this morning, I'm not going to let anything defeat me. I wake up, doing a little study, and looking at this pipe, looking at the old pipe. I'm like, what's the difference? I find a difference. Went to Home Depot like th- back and forth three or four times because I had to, I, I figured out one thing, go and get that from Home Depot, come back, and it's like, well, that helped, but it's still not done yet. I had mm-hmm. to go back. So anyway, long story short, I fixed the shower. You know, Sierra took a, you know, uh, 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 a shower that you know no leaking the handles work just fine it's better than it was before mm. and that was a good feeling but other than that everything was good but I don't like when uh, something turns out to be more of a tax than I thought it was because if that was the case I would have just paid somebody to do it in yeah. the first place anyway let's, <laughs> let's get into what you know the the big story of the weekend was Central Park 5 documentary when they are uh, not, it's not a documentary it's a biopic um, when they see us um, four part series mm. Tough watch. Very good watch, though. Um, So basically, the Central Park Five were these five boys in the late 80s, early 90s. It was 1989. They went to Central Park one night. It was like 100 kids in the park. You know, they were, you know, just being riffraff, Mm -hmm. you know, throwing rocks, scaring people on bikes, being stupid, being stupid teenagers, doing stupid teenage shit. On the other side of the park, a woman was raped and beaten severely. And when the police came answering the questions or answering the calls of all these people that were about people being harassed in the park, there was a prosecutor who took the case who was from the um, uh, um, sexual assault department. Mm-hmm. And she was she said it was it had to be all these kids are in the park doing all this stuff. And then this woman gets beat in the same park. They had something to do with it. So they just started rounding up any kid that was under the age of 16 and black mm-hmm. who fit a description or they grabbed a kid and they say, I was in the park with. Chino! And they're like, well, look for a, a kid named Chino when you go out on the streets, but we're looking for any black kid under the age of uh, 16. Mm-hmm. They rounded up five kids, told them all that the other person said you were involved, and they all snitched on each other, but they all were coerced into telling the story that the detectives told them to tell. They got false confessions out of all five of the kids. So how do you tell on somebody if... if... Well, they basically, they go... Hey, man, uh, so what were you doing in the park? I wasn't, I was just, you know, play, hanging out with my friends. Well, you know, a woman got raped, and we got a kid in here named Steve who said, you did it. What? No, I didn't do it. Okay, well, he's saying you did do it, so why don't you tell us what happened? We know it was uh, you, Steve, Mike, and Jack. So what happened? Jack did it? Uh, yeah, Jack did it. It was him. 
Then they go to Jack. Hey, Jack, this person said it. It's all right there. And the, I mean, it's very hard to watch because the techniques that they use, they do the good, good cop, bad cop. Mm. They'll, you know, hit these kids and all this kind of stuff. They really and what's really tough is there's a kid named Corey Wise who the actor who played him in the show. I think he deserves every award. It was it was an incredible performance. But the kid Corey Wise, I don't know if all of their interrogations are on YouTube, but his is on YouTube. And you can tell that it's a it's 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 a textbook coercion. You can tell he doesn't know what he's saying. The names are not of people that he even knows. This was all information that was fed to him, and they told him to say it, and then they used it against him on court under the premise of, "Hey, man, if you tell us what we want to hear, well, you can go home." Then being kids, it'd be easier. It's easier to intimidate them. But if it was like me at the age of like right, if this happened to us, yeah, you're not gonna get I'll me. This, like, yeah, you're not gonna get. He didn't well, say first that. of all. I'm not talking to any police officer without a lawyer in the room. Right, right. And if I'm under age of 14, I, and I and I I implore any parents listening to this who have teenage kids, I don't care what their race is, the police do not talk to my child. I don't even have a child, but you do not talk to my child without me there. Mm. I would tell my child, you don't speak to the police mm. without an adult present. I don't care if they're threatening to call me. Tell them to call me. Mm. You'll get punished. We'll deal with that later. You, If they're threatening, oh, man, wh- where do you live? You tell them where you live and to contact your parents, mm-hmm. and I'm not sending anything else until you until my parents get here. Because what they did was incredibly immoral and illegal. They interviewed these kids without their parents in the room, without any kind of representation there. They had them sign away their rights. Was this a reenactment? Yeah, it was like okay. a biopic. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah it's right. a for, it's, it's, well, like I said, it's when they see us. I, I, I implore anybody who's listening, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's incredible. Each episode is like a little over an hour. Um, it's incredibly powerful. And what they did to those kids was a travesty, man. Some they spent collectively between six and twelve years in prison. Mm. Um, and um, I, I'm my, my story today is is a little bit based on that, mm-hmm. not not directly to Central Park Five because I feel like people might already have a, be inundated with it by the time they hear this episode because it was big in the true crime world this week and it's a big mm-hmm. it's like what everybody's watching. So it is an offshoot of that. It's it's related to it, but it's not about the Central Park Five. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, what they did to those kids was really terrible. And uh, when you go to jail, or when you go to prison, because one of them went to adult prison. Mm. He was over 16, Corey Wise, his kid Corey Wise. They sent him straight to adult prison. You go to prison at 15, 16 years old with adults, there's no there's no turning back from that. There, prison in general, You when you go at that age, those formative years, mm. you kind of get institutionalized. It's, it's a hard cycle to break when you spend six years around adults being told what to do every day, not allowed to do this. You get out and it's like, oh, this is just how life is for me. It's 12 o'clock. Every day at 12 o'clock, I do my push-ups or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm I'm paranoid. It's really hard to get out of that. Now, they did receive a large lump sum of money because they sued the state. I don't know if and that it makes... it took 12 years for, for the, the whole thing? Or oh, man. They got the money it? in 2014. They were, okay. this whole process started in 1989. So six to twelve years. One of them was in jail from nineteen ninety to two thousand one. So did they get? I mean, did they sue immediately after every, the whole case closed? Well, no. Right? I mean, the the person who actually did it got they got found out in two thousand two. Okay. They were then released, and then they spent. The oh, next so they kept th- working on it after that. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came well, up? Was, yeah, something. Okay. Came up. I'll get, like right. I said, I'll get to okay. it, guys. I'll get into it because right. you haven't seen it, so I'll get right. into it when I tell my story. Um, in two thousand two, that's when oh they were like oh this person did it, so they're out. They, so now they let them out. But from 2002 to 2014, they spent that whole decade telling mm. their story, 
you know, going on tour, you know, being advocates for social for, for criminal justice. And then in 2014, their case, who who knows how long they were fighting it for, paid off and they settled for forty one million dollars. Damn. Split that five ways. But I don't think you'd be saying damn as much if you saw what those kids went through. And it's only a show, so you it's only a dramatized version. Imagine really going through, like mm-hmm. really sick. You're 14, six years of your life are stolen. Mm-hmm. You're in prison. You are, you know, not, you don't get to see your family. Mm-hmm. You're in this, t- prison is terrible. So you're in this terrible, it's, I recommend it to anybody. Um, it is, but one thing I want people to take away from, because what I'm seeing a lot of people say is, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to these kids. It's so mm-hmm. terrible. What's That's not the scariest part about this documentary. The scary, uh, it's not a documentary, it's a show. The scariest part about this limited series is not that it happened to these five boys. It's that this happens every day and there are people who don't get to be the Central Park Five, who just have to serve 20 years of a sentence for something they didn't do or um, admitted to a crime that they didn't commit because it's easier to plead out. They look Sometimes you can look so guilty to the court and a good lawyer and that even if you're innocent, you'll take the plea deal because you'll lose in court. You look that guilty. You, I didn't do anything, but I was there. I stepped in the blood. Uh, a person saw me on camera. Whatever the case is, you look super guilty. So you can plead out for five years, or you can fight this, and if you lose, you'll do 15. And you'll, you're going to lose. A lawyer might tell you, you're going to lose if we fight this. So you can do 15 years, or you can do three. Mm. You just got to accept that you're guilty. And if you're 15, 16, if you're 15 and 19... Uh, not a lot of education. You come from a poor background. Don't know anything about the justice system. You go, well, shit. I, I mean, that's that sounds like a smart deal to me. Now you're a felon. Now you can't go to any job without putting down your your criminal history. So that limits your opportunities as a an employer, or for an employer to hire you. Now what happens? Now you're in the prison. Now you're in the prison industrial system. Now you go. Well, I can't get a job. Any job that I can get, I'm making five dollars an hour. It's not worth it. I hustle. Now you hustle. You end up back in jail, and that's just the cycle of your life now. You're a repeat mm-hmm. offender, and that's just how they get. That's how the system gets these kids, man. And it's terrible. And that show highlights all of that. Highly recommend Central Park Five. Very good, very well acted. These kids are incredible. And one specific kid, his name is like Jamal, Jamel or something like that. Like his two J's. He was in Moonlight, and he plays like. So they have kid actors and adult actors mm-hmm. because they spend time in prison and then it kind of does a time jump. Mm-hmm. This kid plays kid him and adult him. He's that good. Damn. He plays kid him. They put a little bit of hair on his face and he plays adult him. He also has the, he was the one that spent the most time in prison. He was this very sympathetic character. It was tragic. It's so good. Highly recommend. Get on it, friend. Highly, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> does this have anything to do with racist? Racism? Cause I, I saw mean, people bringing that up on Facebook. I mean, for sure, the, the uh, it was a white woman who was assaulted. The five kids were black and brown kids. The city kind of demonized them. They okay. they they were guilty without even having to go through, um, you know, they were guilty before they even hit the trial. It's that media bias thing. Mm. Donald Trump <laughs> took out an ad in the paper saying, like, "Bring back the ex- the death penalty. We need safety in our city." Police officers need to lock these criminals up. But everybody knew who he was talking about. He didn't say them by name. But in the moment of that time and that story, that was the biggest story in the country. It was the biggest story in New York City. And then Donald Trump took out that ad in the newspaper. Everybody knew who he was talking about. Oh, this is during that time. Yeah. He was basically saying, kill them. Yeah. 
death, bring the death penalty back and kill these people who raped this woman. And they, this was before they even got to go to trial and get to, you know, try to prove their innocence. So you're guilty before you even hit the, hit the trial. And he's now the president. Yeah. 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 Basically. Hmm. There's bulletproof, man. I'm not gonna get into it, but I mean the things that he's dodged. I, I, I mean, I've been, I've been shocked. I mean, one time, one time, Barack Obama wore a brown suit um, when he was president, and it was, it was a news story for a week. Who wears brown? What is this? Like a hip hop president? That's so unbecoming of a president to wear a brown suit. It's too edgy. I, I mean, what is this? What is this becoming? And this dude is fucking prostitutes and, and, and porn stars and telling, calling for kids to be murdered and. And he's just bulletproof, man. It, above all else, it's pretty fucking impressive. That's why, I mean, I'm calling it here. I'm not going to get into it. I don't want to get anybody riled up. I think he wins again in 2020. If we're going to be honest about it, I just, I don't see anybody beating him. You know, we got all, they're, they're wheeling out all these kind of token candidates that sound good and look good to a certain amount of people in the country. A gay president, a black woman president, a white woman president. That all sounds good, but to get 50% of the country to vote for, I don't see it happening, man. That's nuts. I don't see it happening. I don't see it. I don't see any of these people rallying up half of the country to vote for them. I would vote for Elizabeth Warren. I think she sounds great. Do I think she'll beat this dude who has already a big percentage of the country already locked up? And then it's like, so it's between this dude and this woman who is, I'm, I'm sexist. I don't like women, so I'm not going to vote for her. You have to take that into consideration, you know, and it would have to be a dynamite woman. My dream, even though I think Joe Biden is a little tarnished, people kind of, you know, say some disturbing things about him. I think he's got the best shot. Uh, Joe Biden, Michelle Obama ticket. I'm in. Joe Biden, Michelle Obama as vice president, Barack Obama as the first man, I think that story beats anybody. I don't know if he's the most qualified, but it doesn't matter that none of that matters anymore. It's not about being qualified. It's about who uh, people like more. It's popularity yeah. contest. Mm -hmm. And Michelle Obama is a wonderful person, and I think that's best shot. I think Bernie Sanders will be dead in the next five years. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I like his policies, and I think he's a nice guy. That dude looks incredibly old, and I think the stress of being president would like he do be dead in three. I don't think he makes it through a presidency. That's just my opinion. I'm, he, I, I like Bernie Sanders. I like his policies. I think he's revolutionary. He also looks super old. He looks like Mr. Burns. So I don't think that a guy that old can handle that much stress. Anyway, this is not a political show. This is a show about true crime. But before we get into that, of course, we're going to jump into these good vibes. So let's do that. Good, 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 good vibration. All right, folks, to anybody out there that I might have brought down with uh, the whole, you know, uh, uh, presidential talk, um, let's try to lift those spirits back up with some good vibes. Fran, you got something for me? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. My good vibe this week, this, this math teacher has not just opened his heart and home to a student. He has also given the youngster a chance to receive a new kidney. Oh. Finn Lanning teaches middle school math classes at AXL Academy in Aurora, Aurora Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He first met 13-year-old uh, Damien when the school year started in August, but unfortunately, they did not have very long to connect in class. <clears throat> Damien was just 8 years old when his kidney failed. Mm. The, youngster, the youngster needs to be hooked up to a home dialysis machine for 12 hours at a time, and his condition requires him to stay on a very strict diet. Furthermore, 
Damien has been in and out of various foster homes since he was a child. Whenever his medical issues became too much for a caregiver, he would be sent to live in the hospital. Now, I don't know if that was a choice, if you know, if they, that was something that had to be done, or the caregiver was like... Which part? Him, if, if it became too much for the caregiver, he had to go back and live in the hospital. Oh, it might have been. Or it maybe been... it's cheaper than having oh, okay. at-home care. But it could have been you're beyond just having a dialysis, dialysis machine. You need more yeah. equipment and stuff. Medical like you need to be, a, You need a doctor to be on call yeah. around you. So every time Damien was sent to the hospital, he had to be removed from the, trans, the transplant list because unstable housing is is considered to be too high risk for organ failure. Oh, wow. And that's, I, that fucking sucks. That um, super sucks. Yeah. His most recent caregiver sent the youngster back into county custody in December. But when Lanning learned about his student's circumstances, Lanning is the teacher, mm-hmm. learned about his student's circumstances, he started stopping by the hospital to chat and bring Damien up to speed with, with his schoolwork. Damien was, was in the hospital for about three months before Lanning knew that he had to give the youngster a home. Um, Lanning said, as I, as I learned more about his story and what he was facing and what his needs were and why they weren't being met, it, it just became really hard for me to look um, the other way. Even though caring for Damien has been a challenging process for Lanning, he and his student have received an outpouring of support along the way. In addition to welcoming the youngster into his home, Lanning started taking time off of work in order to train as Damien's caregiver. His colleagues have been donating their sick days to the educator so that he could continue training to, to taking Damien to his doctor's appointments. So, I mean, this dude was, he was all yeah. in for, for Damien. The expensive, the expensive grocery list that is required for Damien's restrict, restri- restrictive diet also cost about $200 per week. And this is a teacher? Yeah, $200 per week. Nah, I don't know where he's getting that money from. Well, but I tell you, oh. but a GoFundMe page for the student mm-hmm. teacher duo has re- has raised over fifty thousand dollars since it was started in February. Wow! Now that the, he lives with his math teacher, Damien has been placed back on the transplant list. Um, and the two of them say that they are expecting to call, expecting a call from the hospital any day now. Once Lanning finishes his caregiving training, he hopes to officially adopt Damien by the end of the year. Um, until then, the surge of the GoFundMe donations will help to finance their their new lives together as a family. Damien deserves Damien deserves at the very least to have a place he can call home, and these funds will make furnishing our home possible. Additional funds raised will be used to provide opportunities Damien hasn't been able to as, to access for the last several years, including cooking classes and maybe a family vacation once he's healed from the transplant. Wow. Yeah. Um, so these funds make our life make our life logistically simpler, but more than that, the support and warm wishes keep us moving forward. For sure, is what uh, Lanning said. I thought that was he. You know, he it. took a he took a big step for sure to being like, hey, I'm you know I'm here for you. I'm no, help nobody's you. here to help this yep. kid. I'm gonna help this kid. Yeah, yeah man, that was um, GoFundMe, man. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities being opened up to people because of GoFundMe these yeah. days. I mean, I've seen a lot of. Stupid GoFundMe's. I mean, I got I got scammed by. No, I didn't get scammed by me using my money. But I mean, I did a a, a good vibe story about a GoFundMe. Oh yes, that was and, a scam. Yeah. Yes. Yes, <laughs> that's true. So it it can be bad. Yes, for sure. So, but th- in this case, GoFundMe came through and was beautiful help, yeah. and this kid got everything he deserves. And I hope um the one the 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 part that makes me so sad about these stories not sad because it's beautiful, but a lot of times you know if a person gets a new heart, mm-hmm. new kidney, whatever. It's, it adds 10 years. Like, yeah. you still know a 
there's still a expiration date on on your life. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you get a new heart, I think it, the heart you get a ne- like another ten years. Like the heart's good for ten years or something like that. That's ten years you wouldn't have, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's this beautiful tragedy where it's it's. Uh, you saying an extra ten years is just an example? No, nah, I mean I think it's pretty close to that. Like on average, when you get a new heart, yeah, from. Oh, she wow, wow. Well, it's not your heart. It's not supposed to be in your body. It, okay. It'll stop working at some point. I don't know. The t- I'm not a scientist. That's I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But, I mean, <laughs> but if you were on death's door and then you get a new heart and now you're good yeah, for yeah, the yeah, next yeah. 10 years, uh, yeah, that's 10 years of life you didn't have. You make the most of those 10 years, have a beautiful 10 years of your life, and then if down 10 years you start feeling like, oh, man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm weaker. My heart's mm. not feeling the same. You start to near the end at some point that heart's not supposed to be there it has an expiration date it's not just gonna run like your heart would have ran like I thought you know, that's until, how until you that's until you're mean. old and you you know not a lot at least as far as medicine is concerned today and any doctors out there please let me know i don't know shit yeah. this I'm is all something i read that's in an article sounds, or something like that you know right? i i don't know what i'm talking about i'm a parrot i just regurgitate stuff that i've heard and from what i know about transplants they do have an expiration date. Kidneys, hearts, all that kind of stuff. It's not in your I think your body rejects it eventually. Wow. You know, so you you know, you're living on borrowed time. That's why you're supposed to make the most of it. You know, you get a trans that's why in a situation where this the thing where it's like you don't have a stable home, we're not just giving out kidneys to anybody because if you're not in a proper situation to take care of the kidney and if and you do something that makes the kidney fail early, that's a wasted kidney. So we want to make sure the person is in a in a viable home. Situation's great. They take care of themselves. There's not other medical issues wrong with them. So that if we give them this, it's not a waste. It's not it's not rejected in a year, mm-hmm. because this kidney could go to somebody who has a you know stable home and takes care of themselves and whatever, and the, the it'll fit perfectly, and and last. Is this good vibe still? Because you just bummed me out. I didn't mean to bum you out. It's, it is still good vibes. Let me, let me move on to my story. <laughs> just, Dang. I'm just this kid gets to live for another. He gets to live longer. I don't think kidneys are as as uh, the, maybe kidneys last longer than hearts. I just wish he just would have just left it. Okay, cool, man. We can move on. <laughs> we'll move on. Hey, man. Hey, friend. You want to know my good vibes this week, man? I hope it's good. Hey, yeah, man. Like, listen. Um, so my good vibes story is kind of an offshoot of the story I told last week. I told you, man. Black people got motivated by that dude that donated them that money to those kids that graduated when he paid their tuition. Oh shit. And this is an this is a a branch off of that tree. It ain't it ain't that much though, is it? No, no, no. You oh. gotta do it in your own way. Oh, you know me. That shit is that shit is wild. No, no, no. Me, you know, I might have kicked out a, a couple of uh, extra dollars to the homies over the week, mm. you know, homies. And uh, you know, I you know, I might have hit a homie or two off with the squeegee, give him give him five dollars. No, man, don't squeegee me. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I don't man. want the because it's, it's a pointless job. You should buy some waters or something like that. <laughs> I don't need my windows. All right, man, why, man, you brought this up like plenty of times, man. Because I just think it's a bad business tactic. Why would I need my window squeegeed? I have window cleaning fluid and windshield wipers. Well, they don't have cars, so they don't know. They Let's don't see. know in 2019 that cars have window cleaning fluid and window windshield wipers on them. Hey, man, I don't know. I don't know. You might as well just you might as well just strong arm me and be like, "Hey, bitch, give me some money." Because you're you're asking me <laughs> to give you money to do something I don't need you to do. Just trying to be nice. They want you to see me. No, nah, so man, like, they're not. They're they not being nice, s- man. These squeegee boys out here fighting people and beating people up and stuff. I don't oh, know how they, they really? do it. I don't know how they do it. Others, yeah, man, you don't. What? Where have you been? I don't be in the city. Is where man. I man. <laughs> that's where the squeegee boys are located, and that's why I don't. Anyway, be. man, this is good vibes. <laughs> this is not about the squeegee boys and their their tyrannical reign on the streets of Baltimore. Okay. Right 
they just I don't like them. I don't like them. I, you know, if you don't out don't be out there squeak, you know, uh taking stealing money from people under the guise of be, doing a job, but really you're using intimidation tactics. <laughs> Surrounding the car. Anyway, moving on. So they give you a little sample first. Yeah, yeah. Or no, what they do is they hit you already, and then you're like, no, 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 and then, and then they get mad. Like, well, I already used my spray. My spray is already on your windshield, so you got to give me something. And if you don't, they'll kick your car. Yeah, because I already used my dishwasher soap. Yeah, I don't have that much of this. You think I just? You think Dove soap just? You think Dove dispensable liquid soap just grows on trees? I used this up and I sprayed it on your window of your brand new car. And ruin the windshield. Are you keeping this in? Huh? Are you keeping this? Yeah. This segment? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey man, you want to hear my good vibes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah man, let's that. do it. Okay, so to bounce off of my story, my good vibes story from last week that took the nation over and it was beautiful, uh-huh. uh, that um, billionaire who donated uh, or paid all those kids scholarships, tuitions. So this, uh, this person heard about that billionaire and then they decided uh, that they would make a phone call to a school to see what they could do in their own way. Mm. So, Season Bennett, I don't. <laughs> her name's Season. Uh, so Is it C- spelled like? Yeah. Wow. S E A S O N. All right. Maybe it's Saison, but it's spelled like what you <laughs> Is put there on a, chicken. Uh... No. No, no, no. <laughs> Spanish line, no umlaut. I don't know what they call the Spanish. Uh, Season Bennett. And her husband are owners of Headlines Barbershop. Now that's a great name. Headlines. Yeah, Headlines like Barbershop because yep. you got they put lines in your head. Yeah, I, I see. I like that's that. that's next level marketing right there. So they're the owners of Headlines Barbershop in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they were particularly moved by the viral video of the commencement speech surprise. She said, "I thought, wow, that is just a powerful thing for anybody. So many students go into so much debt just to get an education. Is this the alma mater or?" This is a high school. No, oh, okay. I told you it's levels to it. You uh, know, you I'm you sorry. know, she owns a barbershop. She's not a billionaire, but she decided to, you know, find her own version of that. So let me get to it. So she was spurred to take action in her own community. Season <laughs> called the nearby East Mecklenburg High School and asked if there were any students expect experiencing financial difficulties. So this is just random. Yeah. Maybe wait, it's her this, maybe it's her school up the street from her. Wait, this is a high school. Yeah. I just so how I get to it. Well, okay. you know, hey, well, we we both know. I mean, you got to pay for your lunch. Yeah. And some people have a little credit system and you owe. Oh, shit. Or uh, you rent instruments if you're in a band or whatever. All kind of stuff like that where or library fees where if you don't pay them, you don't get to walk. Shit. What do you mean shit? It happens every day. <laughs> Not <laughs> so, me. So, so, uh, so she, uh, Season called and, and asked if anybody was experiencing financial difficulties. To her shock, she learned that there were 14 high school seniors who had collectively accumulated about $4,500 worth of debt. Some of the students simply had outstanding lunch debt. Others owed money to the school's band department. Furthermore, the school had a strict policy that any student with outstanding debt would be unable to graduate, receive their diploma, or participate in the commencement ceremony. Bennett immediately created a GoFundMe campaign to pay, see, to pay for the student debt before their graduation deadline and broadca- broadcasted her rallying call for donations on social media. Thankfully, Bennett's post-, post was seen by none other than the daughter of NFL player Thomas Davis. Shoulder shrug. Don't know, but, you know, made it to the NFL. Maybe he's local, maybe he plays for the Carolina Panthers or something. I don't know. Thomas Davis, uh, touched by the stylist's call to action, Davis offered to pay every cent of the debt. 
and the high school students were overwhelmed with gratitude. One of one of the one girl dropped to her knees and she just said, I have to call my mom, saying that the girl's mother had apparently been working on getting a loan in order to cover the debt. Which is, I mean, how much money do you I mean, listen, I got school lunch and some stuff, maybe some library stuff when I was in high school, but enough money where you got to take a loan out being irresponsible in high school, man, that's crazy. <laughs> alone. I mean. Wait, so how much? It was only foot. Um, nah, I mean, say only. Not but only. It was Come on, man. I know. <laughs> I know. I didn't it mean forty five hundred. It was forty five hundred dollars between fourteen kids. I'm not gonna do the math, but you know, probably like you know, couple, oh, it was couple, each couple hundred dollars. Well, collectively, maybe one kid was a thousand of that. I don't know, but you know, you divide fourteen by forty five hundred, you get something like I don't know, two fifty. I don't know, three hundred dollars. Okay. Which, if you're a single parent or not a single parent, you don't make a lot of money, that's a lot of money to come up Yeah, with. You know, I understand. Anyway, um, so uh, this dude, Thomas Davis, ended up um, paying for the whole thing. Uh, Bennett says that she will now be donating the remainder of the GoFundMe trip contributions to, high, to the high school's anti-suicide program. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to Season and her husband. And I want to give a very special shout out to Headlines uh, Barbershop because I think that's a great, great name. You can franchise that. That is a very good name. Headlines, Headlines Barbershop. So shout out to Season Bennett and shout out to Thomas Davis for doing that for those kids. I think um, it, it, is a, it is a smaller gesture than the fucking 40 billion or whatever that guy did. 40 million or whatever that guy did. But... If everybody had this kind of mentality where it takes a village, let's help these kids, let's try to bring peace and positivity to the world, the world would become a much better place. So shout out to Thomas Davis and shout out to Season Bennett and shout out to this beautiful story. Hopefully that helped with my uh, trying to talk about the realities of, uh, you know, uh, getting uh, um, transplant surgeries and things like that. Didn't mean darken your story. I think your good vibe story is beautiful. But that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, Thomas Davis uh, was a football player for the Carolina Panthers. I thought, so. I thought he was local, for local like, guy. Yeah, thirteen years. Probably has a car dealership there now. Probably yeah. a local celebrity does. You know, only team he ever played for was the Carolina. Panthers. Hey, hometown boy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Those are the most legendary people when you the, become the king of a small city. Mm-hmm. That's dope. I think Aaron Rodgers is one of those, and Giannis Antetokounmpo has a great opportunity to become the king of Milwaukee if mm-hmm. he wants to be. Play twenty years there, maybe get him one. And you can do whatever. You could kill somebody in Milwaukee if you're honest after that. Don't do that. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you, you get certain privileges when you're the king of a small city. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, what I want to do is I want to take us out and come back and talk about some fucked up shit. Uh, for anybody who's on the Facebook group, you know that um, there was a incident. I'm not going to get into it, but, you know. What did I say? No, no. There was a little incident. We don't have to get into it. I didn't see it. What was it? Oh, well, uh, you know, there was, an up, uh, there was a revolt and somebody... Revolted and, and, and oh yeah we don't need, we're oh not, we're not, oh sorry we're not, we're not going into well you it. can cut that yeah no we're not gonna get into it what we're gonna do is we're gonna wish him well um no we not the Facebook group is not the same without you man and, yeah, it is and uh, in terms of that what we're gonna do is we're gonna take you out to uh, Faith Evans and Puff Daddy uh, I'll be missing you I won't uh, the thing it just things won't ever be the same it was such a monumental movie yes it, it will it still it will crushes us to this same. day. So um, doesn't crush do me at all. I live my life the same every day. Yeah, what we're gonna do is we're both still just for, you know kind of recovering from that. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. Say we are gonna play uh, move, bitch, get out the way, Ludacris. Okay, we're gonna play move, bitch, get out the way by Ludacris, and when we come back, we're gonna tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. Move, bitch, get out the way, get out the. 
All right, and we are back, friend. It is on you, please. My fruit of murder this week. We are going to Arkansas. Um, this week, Arkansas. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know that that's Ricky. Rick, Ricky. I was like, you know, that's not how you say that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Ray Rector. Oh, is his name. Whoa. It's a white guy. R. It's a white guy. Ricky Ray. I, I no, have, it's, I have my it's a black guy. Ricky, Ricky Ray. Ray. Yeah, Ricky Ray Rector. It's Ricky Ray Rector. Yep. All right. So on March 21st, I mean, it gets right into it quick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, March 21st, 1981, Rector and some friends drove to a to a dance hall at Tommy's Old Fashioned Home Style Restaurant. Mm. When I hear that, sounds <laughs> it sounds super... Ribs. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like they got good ribs there. Chicken and waffles or something like that? Yeah, yeah, something solely. Mac and cheese. They always got their name in the front. Yeah, Tommy's. <laughs> if it's Tommy's, Ray's, Roy's, <laughs> it's some names where you go... Yeah, I'm going to pull over. I'm going to go ahead hit that. Yeah. Don't let it be a T-Bones. <laughs> Man, special sauce is at a place that is a T-Bones. <laughs> yeah, so the, the friends drove to dance hall at Tommy's Old Fashioned Home Style Restaurant mm. in Conway. When one friend who could not pay the $3 cover charge. $3. Oh, it's like a club and a restaurant? I'm, I guess so. This is some Arkansas shit. I, <laughs> I don't even know. A club with a cover charge that's a dance hall and an old-fashioned barbecue place? Yeah. $3 cover and charge. And it's $3 cover charge, and it's like, $3? What right. am I, a billionaire? Yep. Wow. $3 cover charge and was refused entry. So he couldn't. Couldn't even get in. them three bones. You can't come in. Up in here. Imagine being that squad and you come, you know, you put on your best denim overall. Like, damn, man. What are you? Come on, man. You don't have the, come on, you don't have the three? I ain't going to ATM. Oh, come on. Man. Dang. I, I can't. It. I can't eat. No, they don't got it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they don't. No. I barely had. I mean. I got my three. I, I, you should have told us you didn't have your three. We wouldn't have picked you up. Yeah. I mean, this turn. I mean, quick. This turn quick. Oh, please. Get to so, it. So, uh. Yeah, so one friend didn't have a three-hour cover charge from his injury. So Rector pff, became extremely angry. Oh. And pulled out the 38. At who? The club? Shot, <laughs> pulled out the 38 from his waistband and fired out several shots. So he like, my man ain't getting in here? Then nobody's coming <laughs> in here tonight. <laughs> Start firing off. Backing no, off. Shit, the 38, I think that's like... He's <laughs> like spins... Wow, wow. He just started busting shots started off? Busting out. Put out a 38 caliber pistol from his waistband. Over a $3 he fired, yep, charge. He fired several shots, wounding two and killing a third man named Arthur Criswell. Wow. Who died almost instantly after being struck in the throat and the forehead. Oh, my God. Imagine I mean, I'm you like, just... I'm like 30 seconds into the store. Yeah. And imagine you being this guy. You said Arthur? That's the dude Arthur that got shot. That you just wanted to go out to a dance hall at uh, Ray Ray's Barbecue Hut in Emporium. And you get murdered at a place that costs $3 to get in. And that's that's what I'm saying, man. You make that left instead of that right, man. Should just stay home, man. Rector, I mean. Pull the, you, first of all, you had the gun on you. He must have had a, his dad, his day must have been horrible. That was that the night. last straw. That's a, that's a, the last straw kind of anger. That was a, man, I had a long day. Let's go out. With yeah. The with the guys. I needed a drink. I need a drink real bad. And I need this group. These are my boys. Yeah. My wife's getting on my nerves. Yep. I lost my job. Yep. And I just need to get into uh, Sweet Baby Ray's uh, um, Rib House <laughs> and, uh, uh, um, uh, and, and Nightclub. And then they go, sorry, you don't have the $3. You can't get it. And it's like, that was it. That's, that is it. <laughs> it's, it's not even him. It's, yeah, it's his. He could get in. Ricky Ray had the three. 
Like, man, no, this night has to go. Yeah, everybody, we everybody, all have to This go is in. my group. The, oh, the whole group has to get in. Yeah. And now you just ruined my night. So somebody dies now. Yeah. That's a that's a big escalation. Yeah, man. It's Jesus. Zero to 100 real quick. Real fucking quick. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So Arthur Criswell, um, rest in peace, was shot um, in the throat and the forehead. Mm. So Rector left the scene of the murder in a friend's car and wandered the city for three days. Just, three days. Just wandering around. Walking around. In the same overalls. Yep. Staying in the woods or with relatives. Oh, wow. So he was definitely on the go. On March 24th, Rector's sister convinced him to turn himself in. Rector agreed um, to surrender, but only to Officer Robert Martin, who he had known since he was a child. Mm. Martin arrived at Rector's mother's home shortly after 3 p.m. and chatted with Rector's mom and sister. Shortly thereafter, Rector arrived and greeted Martin. As Martin turned away to continue his uh, conversation with Rector's mom, Rector drew his pistol from behind his back and fired two shots into Martin, oh, striking wow. him in the jaw and the neck. Rector then turned and walked out of the house. I mean, I'm guessing he changed his mind. He even hated this dude for a long time. or was just like, why would you? Why get him involved? Yeah, like why? I'm only going to surrender to yeah. this person. He comes out to your house, speaks to your You say he was talking to the guy's mom? Mom and his sister, yeah. And he shot him in front of them? And yeah. And then just left. I mean, that, that we're dealing with an unstable man. This is a guy that just... Something's wrong with this guy. Cause that's, I just want to know. I wish they gave us the details of who well, exactly who this guy was. Martin. I mean, he's obviously, obviously but he's kind. a child friend. But I mean, like, was it was he like a bully? He's not really his child friend. Was he just a bully Some, from his childhood? Like, yeah, so. possibly. But I mean, that's so diabolical to flip the script. Out, your sister convinces you to surrender. You go, okay, I'll surrender, but only to this person. That person comes, your sister's like, you know, I, I convinced him, you know, yeah. please help him. Be gentle on him when you put the cuffs on him. And he's our brother. Bow! Yeah. And he just shoots him in front of his mom and his sister and then leaves? Yeah. That's him twice. That's crazy. <clears throat> um, so That's once, insane. Yeah, so once he had walked past his mother's backyard, Rector put his gun to his own temple Ooh. and fired. Rector was quickly discovered by... Excuse me. It was quickly discovered by other police... Officers and taken to the local hospital, the shot had destroyed Rector's frontal lobe. Mm. Rector survived. Wow. Uh, survived the surgery and was put into trial for the murder of Criswell and Martin. I mean, that's it, your frontal wow. lobe is your head. So I don't. That's wild. Your frontal lobe. That's that's your brain, right? It's part of your brain. It's part of it's, yes, yeah, it's part of your brain. I think that controls like your emotion, though. But if you blow any part of your brain, you're not. It's not just like now. Nah, I'm not sad anymore, or now nah, I don't get happy. Right. You're fucked up. So he's not this. He, yeah. Wow. He uh, he was already. Fucked, yeah. Like, to survive. Mentally is, fucked to, up. To but. survive. That is insane. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, he's put to trial for the murders of Criswell, Ma Criswell and Martin. His defense attorney argued that Rector was intellectually impaired and not competent to stand trial. However, after hearing conflicting testimony from several experts who had evaluated Rector, Judge, Judge George F. Hart ruled the Rector was competent to stand trial. I mean, is I, I mean, we've said this multiple times. Yeah. About when attorneys try that and they just yeah. go, I guess it's just a standard. It's like when you're trying to beat a murder it's a, case. It's a card that we have to play. Yeah. When you when you're trying to beat a murder case, and it's any kind of thing that doesn't make sense, you know, i.e., you didn't kill your wife mm -hmm. or you know somebody that you were in a fight with. This isn't a manslaughter thing. If it's any kind of weird 
situation, your your defense is probably gonna tr- at least try to say you weren't in the right state of mind. Right. Something, yeah, you gotta you gotta that's a, you gotta attempt it. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So they ruled that Rector was competent to stand trial. Rector was convicted on both counts and sentenced to death. Mm. So Rector was subject um, to unique overlap of controversies in 1992 during his execution in Arkansas. Um, an offsite example of his mental effi- insufficiency is in, is his decision to save the, de- the dessert from his last meal for later. That was something he wanted to do. Like um, the like, it, it was his last meal. And he yeah. said, "Nah, I'll have that. Yeah, I'll have that after after this." Yeah, he braised it a boy, uh, which would have been after his execution. Um, in 2002, the U.S. Supreme Court banned the execution of people with mental retardation, ruling that the practice constitutes cruel and unusual punishment. Mm. Punishment, however, it is not clear that the ruling would have applied to Rector because his brain damage was caused by his suicidal attempt. Right after having committed the two murders of which he was convicted. Ooh, that is a very that's a touchy subject yeah. because now this is a mentally impaired person. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Hmm. Um, so f- for his last meal, Rector requested and received a steak, fried chicken, and cherry Kool-Aid, which probably why he was going to baby raise, see baby raise that night. Um, yeah. That's probably the meal he wanted to get that night. Yeah. What you said, a ste- uh, you said a steak? Steak, fried chicken. Steak, fried chicken, no yeah. veg? <laughs> Nothing. No. Cherry Kool-Aid, super unhealthy meal, but you know. Delicious. Tastes like home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, steak, little fried chicken. Yep. Cherry Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid, yep, and pecan pie. Or AKA red. Yeah. Red Kool-Aid. Yep, and pecan pie is what... I'm not crazy about that, but you know, everything yeah. else. But he saved that for later. Yeah. And as noted above, Rector left the pie on the side of the tray, telling the corrections officer who came to take him to the execution chamber that I'm saving this for later. Now, I'm trying to think if, because that could either be a super diabolical thing he said because he didn't think he was going to get executed. Mm-hmm. But if he's being taken, that means that it didn't work. They didn't find him to be mentally um, unstable or, yeah. or mentally ill or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or it could be just another a sign of who how mentally ill he is now, where he oh, doesn't I'm, even I'm, understand that he's being yeah. killed. Well, I'm just I'm gonna leave this here because when I go to heaven, I'm gonna go ahead and grab it. Ooh, yeah, that's possible as well. But even that kind of sounds a little mentally ill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, wow, that's, that's that's interesting. That's a tough. Like for me, that would be a situation where say somebody killed somebody that you love, mm-hmm. and you had an opportunity to kill them, mm-hmm. but now they were a paraplegic. You know, now mm-hmm. they're in a laying in a bed. Their legs don't work. Their arms don't work, and yeah. their neck doesn't work. And it's like, is do you still kill them? Because it, it almost is. It, it takes the feeling righteousness out of it. Mm-hmm. We're just killing this defensive, defenseless person. Like you know, this guy killed two people, right? Mm-hmm. But if he is now a Mentally stunted person doesn't understand what's happening, doesn't know what he did, is you know set back, you know, uh, you know mentally incompetent. Is that okay to well, kill a quote unquote oh, yeah. slow person? Because mm-hmm. he's not the same. Now he's a different person. Now he's yeah. now slower, uh, less uh, you know aware of the world. And is that okay? Because they made it illegal to kill people with mental retardations or whatever word they used but they made it seem like he was okay he went he knew exactly what his meal he wanted to eat i guess so hey he wanted steak and fried chicken that's a that's a tough one for me that is morally a tough that's a tough one for me i don't know he wanted to say his pecan pie for later on you didn't answer my question either what what was it would you would i kill him yeah no let him suffer Hmm. 
Okay. He can't. He can't do anything. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Um. Yeah. So the slice of pecan pie was disposed of (laughs) (laughs) until Rector had been executed. Just throw this away. Yep. And trash. That. So Rector was executed by lethal injection. It took medical staff more than fifty minutes to find a suitable vein. Oh, is he a big guy? Um, a little bit. Uh, I think they said somewhere here. They say why. Okay. Uh, the curtain uh, remained closed between Rector and the witnesses, but some reported they could hear Rector moaning. The administrator of the State Department of Corrections Medical Program said that the moans did come. The moans did come as a team of two medical people that had grown to five, um, worked on both sides of his body to find a vein. Mm. That may have contributed to his occasional outbursts. The state later attributed the difficulty in finding a suitable vein to Rector's great weight, and to his yeah. and to his having been administered um, an antipsychotic medication. Um, so Rector was the third person executed by the state of Arkansas um, after the new capital punishment laws were passed in Arkansas. At that at that came into force. On March twenty third, nineteen seventy three. Mm. Um, now they just got this little, um, this little side thing that happened with um, Bill Clinton. Um, oh, yeah. By now, oh, he by, was the gov- mayor. Was he the mayor, governor of uh, Arkansas? I think he may have been. He might have been running. I think or something like that. So by nineteen ninety two, Bill Clinton was insisting um, that Democrats should no longer. This is what he said: "Quote mm-hmm. should no longer feel guilty about protecting the innocent." And voiced strong support of capital punishment. Oh. Um, to make his point, he flew to Arkansas mid-campaign to affirm that the execution will would continue as scheduled. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, yeah. So he flew. Yeah, uh, to Arkansas mid-campaign to affirm that the execution will continue as scheduled. Some pundits consider it a turning point in that race, hardening a soft public image. Mm. Others tend to cite the execution as an example of what they perceive to be Clinton's yeah. opportunism, mm-hmm. um, directly influenced by the failed presidential campaign of Michael Dukakis, 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 mm-hmm. um, who was portrayed by Republicans as a as soft on crime. Mm. So Bill Clinton's critics from the anti-capital punishment sector have seen the case of Rector as an unpleasant example of what they view as Clinton's cynical careerism. The writer Christopher. Hatchins, Hill Hitchens, in particular, devotes much of the chapter of his book on Clinton's no, no one left to tie. Wait, no one left to lie to, for what regards as the immor, immor, damn, immorality uh-huh. of then Democratic candidates' decision to condone and take political advantages of Rector's execution. Hitchens argued that, among other actions, Clinton was attempting to avoid focus. I thought this part was funny. Mm-hmm. Clinton was att- attempting to avoid focus on the ongoing Jennifer Flowers sex scandal. Who the hell is that? It's the lady he had some type of sexual affair with. Why? Well, no, that, that was. Oh, that's. This is why all this um the scandals about or all the jokes about Bill Clinton come because that I thought it was just Monica Lewinsky. There was another woman. Yeah. Jennifer Flower. Oh, so Clinton was just getting it off. She was an American singer, model, and actress. Oh, wow. Um, that had sexual encounter with President Bill Clinton. Wow. So he was trying to cover it up. Yeah, push that under the it. yeah, push that under the rug. Yeah. While I'm gonna deal with this. Yeah. Take advantage of this whole uh, death rector, penalty rector situation. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So. His wife had the same problem when she was running. Um, um, it, it's hard to once you once it's discovered that you're telling people what they want to hear and 
whatever room you're in, mm-hmm. once that becomes your reputation, then that's a hard one to bounce back from. So Hillary Clinton was, you know, going on to the, the Breakfast Club and being like, oh, I keep hot sauce in my purse. She's on black radio station. Now she's, you know, pro-gay rights and all this kind of stuff. But it wasn't the case such and such years ago. Oh, she said, she was on Breakfast Club? <laughs> yeah, man. Didn't she sat, yeah, well, you want to get that black vote, you got to go sit down with, you know, you got to sit down with the people's people. And I guess that's who she thought, Charlemagne. And she and, said she keep black, she keep hot sauce in her bag? And she mm, said that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't hear about this? No. This was this was like four or five years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, she was running and she go. They go. What do you keep in your bag? Hot sauce. Wow. Um, that's what she thinks we keep in our bags. So you know, she was like, "They'll I'll, let me relate real quick." Hot sauce. That is um, racist. Amen. <laughs> I'm with her. What's your I don't favorite fruit? Watermelon. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, man, you got so Sean, man, he 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 fire at her. I after think that? he laughed or something. Oh. <laughs> This was a couple That's years fun. ago. I don't. I can't remember what he said, <laughs> what his response was. But yeah, no, that was wild. It, it, this was that was a moment. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, yes, yeah, so Ricky was, uh, Ray, Ricky Ray Rector, Ricky Ray Rector, a wild boy, very wild. Jesus, just pulled the hammer out because his boy couldn't get in for three dollars. It was quick. I read. I was like, damn, that's egregious. Man. It wasn't no. He grew up in this that. It was just no. I was like, no. Nah, he got mad one day and just shot a bunch of people. Then he off. shot a cop, and now he's dead. Shot itself. Probably eating pecan pie and now. That is where they serve pecan pie, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I would imagine that's. I would imagine you can get all you can eat dessert in hell, but it's all pecan pie. Yeah, pecan pie and uh and uh, what's that? What's that uh, dessert white people love? Uh, mm. What's that? Uh, it's like a Jello. Uh, mm. Jello. It's a Jello with fruit and uh, ambrosia salad. White it's people just, love like ambrosia and, salad. It's just fruit and It's jello? fruit and whipped cream. and It's jello, whipped cream, and like fruit. Mm. White people. It's like their favorite cookout food. Yeah. Yeah. I won't be eating that. I had to discuss sometimes, I, I, you know, it's, it's crazy the anonymity white people could walk around with. Because in the, in the span of me and Sierra's relationship, I have informed her of stereotypes and then informed her family of stereotypes that black people are like, that's just white people, right? Oh, that's crazy. And white people were just living in their world like, I have no idea. What is this? <laughs> so the first one was, I made a joke like, I, or I told Sierra, like, you know, you know, the stereotype, like, white people don't season their food. And she's mm-hmm. like, wow, no, my mom puts a lot of seasoning in their food. That's crazy. So we go to a cookout thing, and it's like her family's there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, guys, so check this out. Uh, apparently, uh, <laughs> black people say that white people don't season their food. And we, you just hear one guy from the back go, Really? Like they just they, <laughs> they don't, they don't know. know. They're just living their life. They're like, no, life's great. I don't know. I don't well, like know. they throw uh, what was that? They throw like apples and everything. What was it? They like, panko, they love panko, uh, like the breadcrumbs. Yeah, <laughs> they love the, the bread something with some panko breadcrumbs. Anyway, I've learned a lot about white people over the years. But the fact that they stereotypes still got in the back. Cool. Yeah, it was like like I it was he'd never heard of this. Nobody in the room had. That's how little stereotypes affect white people. It was like, whoa, uh, what? <laughs> really? They don't, we don't season our food. I never heard this. And then the newest one was we had a, you know, did a thing in Joe. And again, this is years. This is probably uh-huh. a super stereotype. I don't even know if I've experienced it. I probably have. But like the whole white people, when they get wet, caught in mm-hmm. the rain, they smell like dogs. Yeah. Sierra heard them was like, that's what you think? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I've never heard that. I was like, no, I don't think that. This is like a a 40-year-old yeah. BET comic view. Uh, this is a stand-up comedy bit. This uh, is a joke that makes black people, black people have been laughing at that joke for 30, 40 years now. And she had never, it, it had never heard, have, have heard of it. Wow. So that's how little stereotypes. And that's just two. That's just two. 
You know, they know the one. They they know they can't dance, so they joke about that. Well, I mean, I don't have any rhythm, man. That's a joke. But none of them, those stereotypes really affect them in any okay. kind of way. And so, but I didn't know they, some of, they there were some white people didn't, don't even know. They don't even know that they're stereotypes. That's how little it affects them in society because they are kind of the ones who dictate the rules as of now. So it's like, you know, uh, be eating watermelon and somehow that's a bad thing. But then it's like, oh, you eat food doesn't have seasoning i was like i didn't know it tastes seasoned to me i didn't even know the people were saying this that's crazy i just thought that was a little interesting that's I mean, funny yeah so, <laughs> so but uh yes no and my point was ambrosia salad and pecan pie are definitely the all you can eat desserts in hell so you get all of that you want uh anyway uh that was friends affirmative murder what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit so stick around all right, and we are back. Fran, are you ready for my affirmative murder this week? Yep. Okay. My affirmative murder this week is the story of Mateus Reyes. <clears throat> so it was a brutal rape that could have killed the survivor, leaving her with long-lasting injuries and resulting in the wrongful conviction of five boys. It took years and years for the real rapist to come forward and in a sad turn of justice, he has never technically been convicted of the crime. Trish Miley, a 28-year-old investment banker, went for an evening jog in Central Park on April 19, 1989. Mm, Central Park. Yeah. Mm -hmm. While running with headphones in, she was hit in the back of the head with a tree branch, mm. according to the Central Park Five, the untold story behind one of New York City's most, most infamous crimes, a book written in 2011 by Sarah Burns. She was bleeding from the head. She was then dragged off the jogging road and into the woods where she was brutally raped, beaten with a rock, tied up with her own shirt, and left for dead. So this is her? Yes. So she got hit with a, a log? Yeah. While yeah. she was running? Mm -hmm. That sounds difficult. I mean, if you time it right, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it, it happened, so, you know. That is crazy. Not that difficult. Uh, after mm. two people found Miley, she survived, but not without serious injuries. Mm. She suffered several skull, several skull fractures and deep lacerations and was in a coma for about a week. When she woke up, she had no recollection of what happened to her wow. or who did it to her. And she had no sense of smell. Mm. What does that have to do with anything? Oh, she just don't have a sense of... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, he was arrested the same year of the sexual assault. But not for a horrific rape or murders. But but not before a horrific rape and murder spree. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. So you, she just can't. She can't smell. Yeah, I mean he he detached something when he fractured her skull. That is nuts. Separated the senses from the yeah. Mm -hmm. I always I've that heard that like before. that can actually happen. Though. I've heard that before from from people being b badly beaten. Uh, I I always wonder: Can you not breathe through your nose anymore? Or is your sense of smell just gone? That's, that's I, I never know. Like, if you can't breathe through your nose, right. I understand why you have no sense of smell. But if you can breathe through your nose, but just you don't smell anything, or you don't taste, you don't you don't taste anything either. I would. I mean, if you can't smell something, you can't taste it. So, so eat, somebody can just give you a plate of poop. Yeah, you can eat whatever you want. I guess is on the. I mean, if you try to find a silver lining, but. I always wonder that. I don't know if we have any listeners who don't have a sense of smell, but I always, if you, if anybody does, I would love to hear because I'm very intrigued by that. I never, I guess I could Google I'm it, but I'd rather hear, joke, so. rather hear. No, nah, I'm not. This isn't funny. No, nah, uh, um, um, 
I always wonder, like, can you smell? Like, I mean, can you breathe in through your nose? And then just the sense is it's been separated from the brain. I don't know. So I've always been intrigued by that. That's just yeah. I mean, she she was beat. She was beating pretty fucking brutally, man. It's just very fucking gruesome. Um, so like I said, uh, he was arrested eventually that year in 1989, but not before he went on a brutal rape and murder spree. So on a summer night in 1989, Reyes raped and murdered 24-year-old Laudez Gonzalez in her basement apartment on East 97th Street. Gonzalez, who was pregnant at the time of the attack, had her children in the apartment with her. So Reyes forced the children into Gonzalez's bedroom and proceeded to rape their mother before stabbing her nine times. According to two of the women who managed to survive their encounters with Reyes, the sick killer gave them a choice to keep their eyes or their lives. Wait. Yeah. She said to the kids? No, to the women oh. he would rape. Before he would rape Damn. them, this is this is this is the choice he gave them, which is insane. To make the to make a woman choose to be raped is a level of despicable. So if they I, choose their If they life, choose their life, he, rip their he, he would if he let me explain because it, it doesn't make sense to me grammatically, but once you once I read what the women said, mm-hmm. it makes more sense. But it doesn't it's like you choose your eyes or your lives, but the women who survived is who he stabbed. You know what I mean? Like I, I I'll get to it. So apparently his twisted train of thought was that since his victims hadn't seen his face yet, they could choose between living out the rest of their lives with without their sight, or he could just kill them and be done with it. I still don't understand how choose because if you choose your eyes, then he's killing you. And if you choose your life, he's stabbing your eyes out and letting you live is what this says. So basically, let me get to it because I'm still confused off this. So like I said, he would either you could live the rest of your life without your eyesight or he'll kill you. So both of the women chose to keep their lives So he viciously stabbed at their faces until he was satisfied. So if you chose your eyes, he he killed you. And if you chose your life, he would mess your eyes up. Which isn't much of a choice. I don't even understand how that's a choice. But anyway, that that was the choice he gave them. A great choice. Somebody stabbing at your face? Yeah, it's fucking insane, man. This dude's this dude's insane. Um one of the the same guy I got convicted in though. Yeah. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the Central Park case. Uh, One of the most sickening aspects of the assaults that Reyes committed is the fact that he saw them as a way of showing affection for the women he attacked. He would often sneak into a woman's apartment by either pretending that he was the building superintendent's son or he would forego the trickery and just break in. So those are his two methods. He would either come up with a little quick lie like, oh, I'm the the super's son. Or he would just or, fuck it and say fuck it and just break or it. Or it's just like, a, I don't feel like... Yeah, I don't feel like lying and so try just... to trick them and stuff, so I'm just going to break in and do it. Dang. Yeah. Uh, a detective working on the case said that Reyes even made two of his rape victims shower with him as if they were on a date. This dude is sick. Very, very sick. An even more sickening twist is that after Reyes raped and murdered Laudez Gonzalez, he referred to the act as making love. Ugh, that is... That is disgusting. Um, so this dude just now was the one, the Central Park, was that the first one? Was that his first one? Um, no, this was like uh, and like a, just a, you know, spur of the moment kind of thing. What? His, his M.O. was apartment. He would follow you into your apartment. And oh, oh, so he just was, was just in a... Central Park and 
He saw the, the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Mateus Reyes had a sick sense of humor when it came to dealing with his victims. On July 19, 1989, Reyes raped a 20-year-old woman in her apartment and then promptly ran downstairs to the street and dialed 911 from a payphone. Then he made a trip to the ATM with the victim's debit card, which he stole on his way out of his victim's apartment and used it to get some quick cash. In August, four months after the rape of Miley, he raped a woman in her Upper East Side apartment. She fled as she she fled, and as she ran to the lobby, the building super was able to grab him and hold him down. Now, I know the Central Park thing was about the kids, mm-hmm. so none of this I ain't really had, so there's not none of this came up as to near the end where it was like we found out who this person was, or none of that came up in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, this is a big part of it. I mean, as far as all this other shit that's going on, like, oh, you know, at the time it was other. Oh Rates yeah, no, it's very it's very well known that in the late 80s, early 90s, New York City was gripped in fear. Like there was it was very high crime rate. Um it was insane. Rapes were very like happening a lot, you know. So it was almost uh this this rape of this woman in Central Park was the last straw. And that's the city turned and then when they were able to put the face to So let's say as bad as this is, um there was an article that came out this guy got a lot of flack, and I think he used the wrong word. He mm-hmm. said that something about uh, these teenagers were swarming the Inner Harbor or mobbing the Inner Harbor or whatever, and people would go, what do you mean? Why are you saying that? They're just kids looking for somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. And Here? Yeah, here, okay. the Inner Harbor of here. Mm-hmm. And I agree with his, his wording was terrible. There's no debate, though, uh, that people get beat up down there. Yeah. Uh, these those some of those kids don't know how to act mm-hmm. and but what happened was the way that he worded everybody was saying oh so i guess kids can't go somewhere and just hang out this is where the kids go so everybody just kind of turned on him and made it out like he was just making black kids seem bad when i don't know if that's what that was his intention but bad things do happen down there i think if you don't if you haven't been down there if you're not down there often I think you would take it the wrong way. You, you, yes, exactly. And you want to, you want to come to the defense, right. of the, of these people, right? So basically, the opposite was happening in the Central Five Park case, where the kids, the, you know, a lot. It was a high crime rate. A lot of it was happening with these young juvenile kids. Didn't mm-hmm. know have anywhere to go. They're out on the street selling drugs. So they were kind of the face of the New York City crime scene in the late '80s and early '90s. You know, especially people that live in the nice part of New York. They're like, oh my god, like uh, if I see a group of black kids, I'm crossing the street. And then bam, all of a sudden one day on the news, five black kids raped a white woman in Central Park, mm-hmm. and they go, that's it. That. This is what we've been afraid of all these years. Is these young black kids mobbing the streets, attacking people, wilding, mm-hmm. you know, and so yes, they're demon they're evil. Persecute them, prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Mm-hmm. So these kids never had a chance because they, their reputation followed them. And it was a stereotypical racist reputation mm-hmm. where if you're if you're a young black teen, you're riffraff, you're dangerous, you're yeah. whatever we've seen on the news, you're that. And so that worked against them in this case. And this was a Hispanic guy. Right? Yes. So he was, I and mean, he was, he was a brand. About, it wasn't his MO, so, so that they didn't even, like, oh, this could have been this. Yes. Also, like, there were other, there were rapes happening all oh, over the city. Okay. So it wasn't just, oh, we caught a rapist. We can solve 
these other rape cases. There I mean. were so many rape right. cases that it was just he was just another needle in the haystack. But I'll get to it because you gotta you gotta watch the show. Yeah, I don't I don't think that the show is a hundred percent accurate to everything that happened. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuff in the show, if you saw it, it would make sense. Like he was in Central Park the same night as all these kids that were getting arrested, mm-hmm. but all the police were arresting the kids. Yeah. So this guy was just walking around Central Park in a bloody shirt after Probably he walked raped right by him. Well, yeah, I mean, he he was walking. Everybody's attention was on this part of the park because they were yeah. catching kids, and yeah. there was a ton of kids in the park, and they were just all trying to rally them up. And this dude was able to just walk out of the park covered in blood after he just beat a woman with a stick and raped her. Mm. You know. So anyway, after his arrest, Reyes claimed that he didn't know anything about the previous rapes. But when the audio of his of his 911 call was played back for him, he cracked and admitted to all of his crimes, except for the rape in Central Park, which he probably forgot about because it was so not planned out and not his M.O. A lot of people believe that if they'd asked him about him, he he probably would have confessed to it. Um, So he pleaded guilty to raping her and two other women in addition to raping and killing a fourth. Uh, Reyes admitted to more, though, at least five rapes in total, two attempted rapes and a slew of muggings. He is now serving 33 years to life in New York State Prison. During his 1990 trial, he reportedly attacked his own defense attorney, Richard uh, Syracuse, who referred to Reyes as a pure psychopath. So as soon as he heard him say that, what? And just to prove him wrong, how dare you call me a psychopath? He attacked the person who was defending him. Uh, so he showed him he wasn't a pure psychopath. Uh, he assaulted his previous lawyer as well. And this is all according to the New York Daily News report. Um, during Reyes's trial, Dr. N.G. Beryl, a psychologist who interviewed him, wrote, Mr. Reyes has been considered a rather impulsive, angry, violent individual since he was a young boy, according to the New York Daily News profile. He worked at a bodega in East Harlem and slept in a van and reportedly claimed to snort a few bags of cocaine a day back in 1989. Which, this is the part that makes you the saddest when you when you hear about the story is that, you know, some of these kids had no criminal record. You know, some of these kids had no issues. And then you come across a guy who does cocaine, has a history of violence, and... All this, you know, all these other things. And instead of trying to follow down that rabbit hole, you go, well, we got them to make false confessions. We can make it all work. We'll stick this on these five kids. And this was a, he was young. Who, Mateus? Yeah. Yeah. He was like 20 years old or something. Damn. Uh, so I've his, never seen him before. That's why I had to look his face up. Yeah. He's, he, I mean, you know, he, he kind of, he doesn't. He doesn't look particularly menacing or anything like that. That's mm. the craziest part is you could just walk by him and not expect suspect him of being a rapist. Uh, his admittance of being behind the rape from behind bars led investigators to match his DNA to the DNA at the crime scene of the Miley assault. This led to the exoneration of the boys. Uh, of the boys turned men at this point known as the Central Park Five. The five were exonerated in 2002. District Attorney Robert Morgenthau withdrew all charges against the boys and their convictions were vacated. Wise, who is Corey Wise, who is, again, the, the, kid, the kid who played him, took my breath away. So yeah. did they reenact it in the beginning? The whole park thing? Yeah. Okay. They, it's the whole thing. Oh. Yeah, it's the whole thing 
from from 1989 to 2002 is very good um yeah so uh yeah wise who was still in prison at the time was released the exonerations came after the real rapist came forward and admitted to the crime mm. however because of the statute of limitations laws reyes was never convicted or even charged with the rape of miley Youssef, Youssef Salam called the fact that he was never convicted another tragedy of the Central ca- Central Park jogger case. What about he turned himself in? Um, they do touch on that in the documentary. I oh. mean, in the in the show where in the show he um, found religion. Um, I don't know if that was the case. It could have been. I don't really know. But you know, he came forward and decided to take responsibility for that. Um, right. What I want to do is I want to say, but they didn't find him guilty for that. Well, it was past the statute of limitations. What, like 15 years, 20 years? What is it, 10? Well, it was 2002, and it happened in 1989. So, I don't know, maybe a 10-year 10 year, 10 year, 10 year statute. I think so. Yeah. Like that. Um, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I mean, 10 years makes sense. It makes more sense than like 13 yeah. years or 12 years. So, <laughs> I would say 10. You know, so apparently if you rape somebody, but they don't find you until 11 years later, I don't know if it's still the case, but at some point it would be like, oh, well, shoot. I'm sorry. You didn't guess you didn't rape them anymore. Go to Mexico for 10 years, come back. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, some kind of way to skirt mm-hmm. the system. Um, anyway, what I want to do is I want to just give a, I want to, once again, I want to give a incredible shout out to these five incredible men, Yusef Salam, Raymond Santana Jr., Corey Wise, Anthony McRae, and Kevin, uh, what was his name? What was his last name? Kevin Richardson. The five kids who played them in the show, incredible. Their story, tragic, um, but it happens every day. I want to make that clear. This shit happens every single day. Don't take this. I don't want people to watch this and take this as... This is so unbelievable that this happened. I want people to understand that this, no, this isn't, this is believable. This is what people have been saying. This is what people take knees for. This is what people protest about. This is not some uh, conspiracy theory that black people are coming up with that the system is against us and they rig it and they lie and they do whatever they can to get a conviction. This shit happens, man. When you watch that, think of that. Don't think this is some uh, unfathomable event that should never happen again and i can't believe this happened to these five boys and a good thing good for them for getting a settlement that's a a, a, a shiny spot on a very dark moment like no there are people who <coughs> there are people who got fucked by the system served their time got out and are living subpar lives and have have gotten no reparations for the situations they've been through it's like oh no man the system fucked me they took 10 years of my life and now i'm out and i'm a felon i can't get a job but i didn't even do what they what they put me in prison for. That happened. That happens, man. Sh- fucking, uh, the kid that got, he got sent to Rikers for stealing a backpack. He didn't even steal the backpack, spent like five years in Rikers because he got lost in the system, got out, killed himself. I he can't remember. lost in the system. I wish I, I wish I knew, man. I wish I could tell you. I don't really know. I don't even know. You just like you just there and you just you're there. You don't hear anything. From you're th- well. What happens a lot is you're there. You don't have bond money, so you can't go home until you face trial. Your trial keeps getting pushed back. You have to stay in. If you don't bond out, you just have to stay in jail until you have a court date. But if the prosecution is still trying to make their case, this is what happened in this specific case. Again, his name is escaping me right now. I feel so bad. I can't remember his name. The prosecution, they didn't have anything. They the they couldn't find the person who said he stole the book bag or anything. So the prosecution kept asking for more time to make their case because they knew they didn't have anything. So when they go, we need another month. We need another two months. 
We need like so another. They're trying, to, they're trying to help him out, kind of, but it's not really. Well, they're not trying to help him out. They're trying to prosecute him. Oh, the pro- okay. No, the I'm prosecution sorry. wants to make okay. him wants to uh, put him away. Put him away. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to find him guilty, but they want to make sure their case is solid so that when they bring him in, we got you. But they 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 keep pushing the court date back. But what about his defense? They can't. They can't. You can't do anything about that. No. That's bullshit. So they keep pushing it back, and you don't have bond money. Dang. So you just got to sit in jail. Until your court date. That's what happened in his specific case. But that shit happens all the time. You don't make bond, you don't go home. And you have to sit in jail until your court date. And your court date is whenever they get to it. So that's how that one particular kid got lost in the system. But he was, I mean, he, he was getting in fights in, in jail because it's, it's jail. It's crazy. It's Rikers Island. You send a 15-year-old kid to Rikers Island. Man, he's fighting, you know, trying to survive. And they put him in solitary confinement. He lost his mind in there. Over a book bag. Lost his mind. Got out. Couldn't reconform oh, back to society. And oh, he killed himself, man. They didn't put he couldn't believe they he couldn't believe they did what that was this. Him. What year was this? This was like two thousand five. Maybe even later than that. It wasn't a house arrest then or something? I, I don't it's, Well no, you go you go on house arrest after you get convicted. Oh shit. So I don't he know. wasn't I even, even he didn't even get convicted. And then eventually it took so long they just went, Fuck. ah, just dismiss it. And then they just let him out. After like two years of being in in jail, they ruined his life. He couldn't be, he couldn't believe they did it to him, That's and he crazy. couldn't get over it. He was just yeah, he was inconsolable. Way. He was depressed. He was angry at the world, yeah. and he killed himself, man. And that shit happens every day. Mm. I'm not trying to bring anybody down. I just don't want anybody to watch that and be uh, in shock and then be in disbelief. I want well, you. To, how, I want it to be an eye opener. When people. Uh, Post about it. That's what sounds for like sure. It is. I tell you what. It is. It is unbelievable. Mm. It is insane what they did to those kids. But they do that shit to kids every day. They profile them, man. Here in Baltimore specifically, that gun trace task force. They just sent a former police sergeant away. He pled guilty to carrying around fake guns, so that if they, he wanted to pull somebody over, he could throw a gun in their car and say they had a gun on them. Dang. That's the kind of crazy shit that's happening in the world, man. So I just, I just, I want this. If you watch this show, let it be an eye opener because this shit happens, man. And don't just let, be out here believing that people are just uh, uh, are committing crimes and don't want to take responsibility for them. Sometimes the system just wants to get you, and they'll if they want to get you, they'll make it stick. They're throwing fake guns in people's cars. That's that's wild. Have you not kept up with that? I saw, but I didn't. Um, I didn't read the article. He's just one that that was a that was a that was a common uh, tactic that they used. Is they just would keep a KB Toys gun in the trunk, and then they go, "Oh, let me get this out." Boom! Uh, you got a gun in your car. We can search your car now. Oh, you got a gun in your car. We're gonna take you in. Oh, uh, we was this think ta- he has a gun in his car. Was this a tactic to see if they had to find drugs in their car, or was just it was it was a tactic to. It was to, it was a tactic to give them probable cause. Oh, so it wasn't like I'm just want to get. I just want to lock you up. Just I don't know if they would charge them with having a weapon. Up. I don't know if they would charge them with having a weapon, but they would use that as a way to get into the car. Okay, I saw. But a gun. I just don't see. I, I just when you say that, I didn't read the article, so I don't. I don't. I'm not that educated on it. Mm-hmm. If they go, okay, you have a gun in your car. Why is that not like? And I'm guessing it's a whole process after that. Why is that not like a whole evidence type of thing? 
who do you think writes the reports and the evidence that you're talking about? It's all in house, man. That is the, wild, the, though. Like the report is what they want it to say. It it it's all in house. That's what that that's why I have a you know in the case of the uh, Baltimore Gun Trace Task Force, they are doing a very complete job, and uh, you know stuff keeps coming out every day. But in a lot of cases, in these shootings, when police officers kill people and they turn out to be unarmed, it's the police department investigating the police department. So whenever they go. Oh yeah, that person's not guilty. The police department decided that. It wasn't some separate some separate entity that studied the case. It would be like me and you, you're my man's, right? Mm-hmm. Me and you go somewhere and you steal something. And then they ask they go, "Well, we need a witness to see if, you know, to prove and the wit- the one witness we get will either put Fran in jail or set Fran free." And they ask me, "Hey, did Fran steal something?" "No." What I'm gonna lie? I'm gonna tell the truth and and get you locked up? No, you're my guy. So they go, Nah, man. He followed everything he was supposed to do. He did everything within the law. So we'll suspend him, but he didn't break any of the rules. So he's not going to jail. That's I mean, this is the it's the it's the system investigating the system, man. And again, this happened in 1989, this Central Park Five case, and this shit is still happening. So again. I don't want anybody to think this is some miraculous once in a lifetime. I can't believe this happened. This is so un- unbelievable. No, man, this is a drop in the bucket. And I'm, again, I'm not here. To, I'm not here to slander police. I know it's gonna be a rough. It's, it's reality, a rough. Man. It's a rough week for people who you know wear the shield because this Central Park documentary came out. It's probably a lot of like, oh, he's a police officer. I wonder what he does. But we need to be able to have that conversation. And not be shot down by people who just want to defend their them who people who are police officers or people who are related to police officers because there are people who do corrupt shit. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I don't want people to demonize all police, but we do need to recognize that it is a system that is corrupt yeah. and is able to be corrupted because it's a system that watches after itself. So if we can't hold them to scrutiny. And, and try to, you know, hold these people accountable and try to fish out the people who are giving police a bad name. How does the system ever change? If whenever you bring it up, it's like, well, you don't know what it's like to be a police officer. You don't know this, the stress. It's like, I don't. But should you be interviewing kids without the, their parent in the room or a lawyer? No, that's like cut and dry. Not That's not even discussable. That's wrong. So if we can't even have that conversation then this is a system that's just going to not go anywhere, ever. But, um, yeah, so that was my affirmative murder. The rapist and murderer, uh, Mr., I guess is respectable, I don't know, Mateus Reyes, um, the actual person who was responsible for the Central Park jogger case. Um, I don't really uh, feel like... um, Frazzling you today. I'm going to give you a break. Me either. I'm going to go home. <laughs> this, this episode had a lot of... This was a very down episode. We talked about a lot of... Uh, I'm kind of exhausted. Yeah, talked about a lot of real shit. Um, a lot of fucked up shit. It's what we do, but yeah. sometimes... Sometimes when it hits a little too close to like... Yeah. You could be that person. It's not as... Not fun, because none of this is fun. But it's not as... It's less intriguing, because it's not shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we've I I feel like I've been in the car with you multiple times where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you guys, there was a Jeep. There's a Jeep. We got a call about a Jeep that had four black people in it. This is a suburban, and you are four black people. Yeah. And so 
We pulled you guys over. Yeah, just for, I mean, since we're not doing Friends with Friends, I just feel like I want to, we was, I don't know if you remember this, we was in Rosedale, I think, and it was me, you, and one of our Hispanic friends. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, this is when I was like, this shit is weird, because it was like, uh, he gave us a little intercom, he was like, mm-hmm. guy in front seat, come to the car. We was like, what? Who, like, what? I was like, what cop does that? Like, made yeah. us get out to go to his car for oh. him to, for him to uh, you probably remember that, for him yeah. to be like, hey, man, I know you got something. Who? I was like, what? No, I, I remember that, but I don't remember them asking. We got out. We had to get out. He called us out of our car to walk to his car. Oh, wow. And him to question. That's why I said I don't think you remember yeah, that. Yeah, I don't remember that part. Wow. That's why I was like, that shit is weird. Yeah, I don't, I like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that part at all, like, man. What? I, yeah. man. Come on, man. I know you guys. I know you. Yeah, I mean, like, you no, smoke, we smoking a little weed? No. We don't have any. Why do you? Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I got a couple stories like that, man. It, Thank it, God it does. They didn't call the other dude out. <laughs> If I would have known. We hung out with some people that just, we shouldn't have. Just really just will fucking fuck everybody up. But, uh, yeah, yeah, just before we take off, um, yeah, one time me and Les were coming from my house. We made a left onto a one-way street. There was a car coming up the road. like yeah, I was on the wrong way. We were going down the one way. Oh, okay. Down, like the way that the, the right one way. way is. Okay. And there was a car coming up the one the one way, so I, I'm flashing the lights and honking at the car. And then when we got to kind of pass each other, I went like, "What are you doing?" Kept driving. Car flips around, hits the lights. It was a like an unmarked Chevy Cobalt. You know, sometimes a cop will be in a car that's like, "This is the undercover car you're yeah. using, like a Toyota Yaris." Like, what? Are you, what? Did you just turn lights on in a Toyota Yaris? It was one of those situations. Pulls a car over, pulls us over. Three cops hop out flashlights because it's nighttime so mm-hmm. I'm like make sure my hands is where they can be seen you don't want your hands in the darkness of the car mm-hmm. three police around you put my hands where they could be seen he goes hey man uh, is there a reason you you were waving something at us so I go oh they on some type of bullshit I said yeah, yeah my that, my hands I was waving my hands uh-huh. okay why were you waving your hands at us well you were going the you were going the wrong way it's a one way and one of the cops goes you can only go one way and then the cop goes, oh, you guys have a good night. And just, I think he was embarrassed by like, who's, that was the dumbest, to this day, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard a person say. I was like. And he just, after that, he just, they just left. He was like, yo, well, you guys have a good night. And then he just, they all went back and got in there. I don't know if they were coming from a bar or what, but it was so, it was so like, what? I know that. You know, like, we're coming down one way. They're coming up the one way wrong. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> it's a one way to the, you know, but I mean, you know how you talk in the car, you know, they can't hear you. We're like. What are you doing? He's like, they can't hear you. But I was like, I was waving my hands like, it's a one way, stupid. Or whatever yeah. I said. <laughs> they pull us over, you know, flashing the lights. And when he said you were waving something, I was like. They didn't oh, have anything trying. else to do. Well, I think they were so offended at the audacity of us to like be rude to them. I mean, when they were the going way. the wrong way up a street. But the fact that we called them out on it was like, who the fuck is. Let me show them what we can do. Flipped to you, pulled us over. And when he said waving something. Mm-hmm. I could tell, like, oh, they want this to be on some bullshit. So I said, I was waving my hands mm-hmm. because you were going the wrong way. And then the guy goes, you can only go one way. And he goes, okay, you guys have a good It was like he, he just wrapped the other guy. I guess the lead guy was like, all right, you guys have a good night. And then when they just went, and got, <laughs> he probably got in his car like, what the, what fuck, the fuck was, was that, that? Stevens? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? What do you mean? What does that even mean? And we, for the rest of the night, we were like, what? What does that even mean? You can... Yeah, you can only go one way, and we're going the one way. So it was just weird. Oh, I wish but. I was there to hear what Les said. Oh, he was super pissed because he was. <laughs> we were both mad that he said waving something. Yeah, because like 
what are you what are you trying to what are you trying to imply, man? That I had a gun? gun? Yeah. You know that yeah. so it's just it could just go that fast. And if I had the wrong kind of attitude, like what do you mean? Waving yeah. something. That's it. And it could just escalate. Now oh. we're on the curb. We're uh, mm. another car is pulling up. I'm glad I have the temperament that I do because a lot of search, cer- uh, certain circumstances that I've been in could have gone another way. I've been that way though before though. I was on for come on for work and I was just like I'm like, I'm just tired. I'm like, you know, and the lady pulled me over. I'm like I'm like what? I'm like why yeah. you got attitude? Cause I'm trying to go yeah, home. Go home. Yeah. Like, y'all pulling me off and it was like I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad it, it, it didn't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that day I was like. I just want to go. I'm tired. I want to go home, and y'all pulling me over for nothing. It's yeah. just, and I'm, and every time I think about, it, I'm like, I'm glad it didn't. Yeah, it didn't go. It didn't escalate. Cause that day I was on. I was. Nah. I was on some other shit. <laughs> just leave me the fuck alone. I had fifty boxes today, <laughs> fucking carrying TVs and shit up. I'm not, I'm not for it today. Yeah, I was. Mm. It can go like that. I never forget that. Yeah. So I think that we've both been just frazzled by the world today. So yeah, you know, I just think I think me and you know everybody in the in the group. Yeah, but we all we, got frazzled. We, no, we can chalk this up as a win for me. I think everybody agrees on that. Excuse me? Yeah. Well, I take offense <laughs> to what you just said, but I also don't have any a riddle to give you. So I'm not going to be like, okay. you know what? Never mind. Now I am going to do it. I'm still not going to do it, even though I disagree with what you said. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francis Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Deuces.